Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hey, self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure you know about my two books on self-love. If you're struggling with body image or self-acceptance, then I highly recommend you check out my first book, The Gift of Self-Love. It's a comprehensive workbook to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to love who you are. You can get it wherever books are sold by searching for The Gift of Self-Love or go to my website, maryscupoftea.com slash book. Thousands of you have read and dove into The Gift of Self-Love. The reviews are just incredible. So many five-star reviews, and I'm so forever grateful that it has touched your lives in such a big way. After publishing The Gift of Self-Love and reading all your positive feedback, I noticed that many of you asked me for a tool that would help you build a daily practice of self-love into your life, which is why I decided to create a new self-love journal, 100 Days of Self-Love. It's got 100 journaling prompts that cover all areas of life, body, identity, purpose, relationships, emotions, and more. So you can think of this as a metaphorical multivitamin for self-love. You can get the journal wherever books are sold as well by searching for 100 Days of Self-Love or go to maryscupoftea.com slash journal. These two books, The Gift of Self-Love, The Workbook, and 100 Days of Self-Love, The Journal, are complementary to one another, so the content does not overlap. It just depends on what you want or need at this point in your life. It's my mission to share all the self-love tools with you, so I hope that both my books and this podcast can help you do just that. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome back to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Today, I am joined by my friend Katie. Well, actually, I invited Katie to be on the show, and then through this conversation and through the conversation we had on her podcast, where I'm a guest on, we quickly became friends because we spent two and a half hours talking to each other, and you get to hear it. Katie Dalebout is a writer who produces and hosts podcasts. Her weekly interview show, which you may have heard of, is called Let It Out, and it began back in 2013, which is 10 years ago, oh my goodness, and now has over 400 episodes with nearly 9 million downloads. In 2019, she started producing Spiraling, a mental health show she co-hosts with Serena Wolf. In 2016, she published her first book, Let It Out, which is an interactive guide about using writing for emotional wellness. She now teaches writing workshops, consults with individuals and brands on creative strategy, and has a weekly newsletter. She lives in Los Angeles, where she walks like she still lives in New York. (laughs) I love that. In this conversation, you will learn about Katie's journey going from orthorexia to recovery to this whole personal growth and self-help spiritual space, leading her to start a very popular wellness podcast, which is actually how I found Katie way back when in my recovery journey. We talk a lot about the mindset and the fears and just like the behind the scenes of what goes on in our brains as creative people. And she also shares tons of helpful tools and resources for writers and artists. So this conversation is very wide ranging. Katie is an incredibly eloquent and thoughtful and like well-rounded individual. So despite this podcast episode going so many different directions, I think you're really going to see yourself in it. 
especially if you are a writer, a content creator, or an artist of any sort. And if you do consider yourself a creative, artsy-fartsy person, then you might be interested in Katie's Creative Clinic, which is a one-on-one consulting program that she hosts where she guides creatives to unleashing and unlocking their creativity. I know that getting blocked and feeling like you're just all alone on this journey can make work that much more daunting, especially meaningful work. So I highly recommend checking out Katie's website and seeing all that she has to offer around creativity. The link to Katie's Creative Clinic will be in the description of this podcast episode, and she only has a couple of spots left for her creative consulting services. So make sure to reach out to her directly. You can also connect with Katie on Instagram at Katie Dalebout with three T's at the end and her podcast and podcast account, Let It Out, and that's at Let It Out also with three T's at the end. And that's over on Instagram. If you're not sick of us by the end of this hour, then please consider popping over to the Let It Out podcast and listening to my interview with Katie over on her show. So without further ado, please welcome Katie Dalebout to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Hi, Mary. I'm so happy to be here. I love this podcast already. We've just been chatting, drinking tea. You're so nice. This is great. Oh, you're so nice. Wouldn't it be awful if we weren't nice? (laughs) Oh, I know what you mean. Like when I have really liked someone's book or their work in some way, and then you meet them and you're just like hoping that not even that they're nice, because usually most people are nice or it's like more of a reflection of myself, like how someone is, but just like, I hope it goes well. Like, I hope the conversation goes well. And because then I'm going to think about how it didn't every time I interact with this piece of work that I really liked. So I know, I know (laughs) it's an energy thing too. Cause like sometimes conversation will be super smooth, but then you get off the call and you're like, Oh, it was just different than I expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As I was saying to you before we had started recording, I got an email just last night from somebody asking, basically, she wrote out like everything that she's currently doing and how she really wants to do what I do. And I don't even know what I do, to be honest. So I have a really hard time answering that. So it's currently stored in my inbox until I can find the words. But I figured I would pass the torch on to you and ask you a twofold question, which is firstly, what do you do and how do you answer that question? And secondly, I really wanted to talk about advice for creative souls who know that they're kind of like multi-passionate, multi-potentialite and want to break out of this conventional nine to five kind of work but feel like they don't know where to start or don't know how to build an audience, start a podcast, become a writer, like all of those things. I think there's a lot that we do, but you have been around for like a decade and I've been following (laughs) you probably that long. No, you're not old. You just started at the very beginning. And it's so cool because I feel like I get a little bit of mentorship with this conversation too. Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you. I mean, I think you should be mentoring me because it's interesting. Like you're you're catching me in a moment of 
change, I think, but I'm not even through it. Like I've barely begun it, I think, but also I, I never stopped. Like, I think it's just kind of evolving and, you know, you were so kind in saying like you were looking back at the podcast and do you remember how you found it or when you, you said it's been a while? Yeah. I remember listening to you when I was in recovery from my eating disorder and in preparation for this conversation, I was like going through to see if you like still talk about that or have anything recent. I don't think I could find anything recent on that topic besides like you mentioning it in in passing. And so it was really interesting for me and inspiring in a sense because I feel like I kind of have to keep talking about that same topic in order to stay relevant. But you're a perfect example of somebody who's evolved. And I feel like I've evolved with you just a couple steps behind. So that's that's kind of my relationship with you and your online presence. Well, I think you're many, many steps ahead, my friend. That's very kind. I'm, I'm glad you found the, the podcast. So many people found me that way, you know, through eating disorder recovery, which I know now that we share. And I think it's so interesting because in any industry, right? Like if we were bankers or like we worked in finance or we worked in anything else, right? Like technology evolves, the political climate evolves, the trends evolve, right? So we have to, in any career, like if I was an accountant and I started 10 years ago accounting, I probably would have had to switch software several times. And my teams around me would shift in the trends of, you know, maybe not as much or maybe not as quickly, but I think that that's just part of being at the age I am in my career, I I guess. And I am very much, you know, figuring that out. You know, if, if I got an email similarly, I would have started and put it in a drawer as well because it is a bit undefined and, and you're doing so well and I admire you so, so much. I mean, your content and your social media presence. I don't even have TikTok downloaded on my phone. Girl. I feel like that's a win. That's a win. <laughs> yeah, I relate to so much of what you said that I'm I'm also in a place of like rediscovering and reinventing myself, which, which also comes with uncertainty and doubt. But don't think that that's a bad thing to not have TikTok on your phone. <laughs> well, yeah, I think maybe in some ways it it is, but it's kind of like you got to keep up or be kept up. You know, it's like you got to evolve and you got to to be relevant. You have to sort of like keep these things that are useful and accept them and, or you're not going to be able to like do the same thing. And I I'm really in that phase right now for people listening. I know, you know this, but I started a blog that was very much about wellness when I was in college. And I think I am maybe a, a couple of years older than you maybe, but I'm, I'm 32 now. So this was a solid 10, over 10 years ago. Right. So I was doing that while I was in school and the reality of the situation was that I had an eating disorder, you know, but I was like talking about wellness in this very earnest way. But again, this is like 2010, 2011, and I'm from Michigan. So in the Midwest, like we didn't even have a Whole Foods where I grew up, you know, like this was sort of my rebellion. Like I was able to be raw, vegan, gluten-free, sugar-free, AKA like eating nothing. Right. But it was like, you know, I asked for a Vitamix as my graduation present from college, like, and all my aunts and uncles like pooled their money together for this like very expensive blender. Like it was all so wild, but then it was very clear, like, okay, she is unwell, you know, and I'm sure you and your recovery, like have spoken about this, but it was this 
outward expression of a very internal mental health issue, right? Like the, the first one. And, and I'm so grateful that that happened to me relatively young because it got me into therapy for the first time. Like I had like a very vague understanding of what therapy even was, you know, but, and here I am learning about myself and my situation of, of people around me and understanding myself better. And it, it also got me very, very into self-help and spirituality. I was also teaching yoga at the time. So I, I do graduate from college and I'm, I'm teaching yoga and blogging this wellness blog. And I'm in recovery from an eating disorder. And I wanted to do just those things, but I wanted to leave the small town where I grew up. And that was like my like number one priority. So just a means to an end, I like got a job, like a full-time job. They let me work remotely and they were based in New York and let me work remotely. So I moved to Detroit from where I was living and I was working full-time, doing the blog, doing the teaching of yoga. And then I interned for this like very famous self-help book author and motivational speaker. And I just was like enamored by this world of like, you can heal your thoughts and your life and your, you know, and it was so deprogramming like a lot of like guilt and shame. And it was really useful for me at the time. And, and I, I don't know how much of it I was integrating. I think a lot, a lot of it was just spiritual entertainment, you know, of just like watching these like videos and it was very alluring and to the point where you you are the sum of who you're around. And so I was so immersed in that world. And at the time it wasn't what it was now. It was a little bit more now it, it's so sort of everywhere and it it wasn't as much 10 years ago. And wellness definitely was was not what it is now. And I've eventually started a podcast to basically talk to people about this sort of thing and and have conversations to get an hour of someone's time. Like, like you were saying, it was very self-serving. It was very much like, how can I talk to these people for free and get, you know, I didn't care that people were listening. Like it was all for me, but then eventually, you know, people like yourself, like did find it and, and were listening. And I, and then I think the thing that really brought people to it was my openness and vulnerability, like about my eating disorder at all. And like about the nuance of it that was orthorexia. Now we know that term more, but at the time, like I, I don't think it was in the DSM and I don't even think a lot of people understood that that was even, because wellness was so new at the time. So to be like overly obsessive about something. And I, and I had that, that was kind of my phase two of my eating disorder. It was more like traditionally anorexic. The healing was a ortho, which I think is a, a trend it was a really meaningful time where I shifted from wellness to sort of more esoteric spiritual stuff and then became almost anti-wellness. Like really just like, this is not only is it like not interesting to me anymore, I think it's like damaging to me. So then my content really in the last 10 years of the show, it's been whatever I'm interested in has been the theme, you know, which I think is great because I think people can, there's like a great Bowie quote about this, right? Where he says, whenever I was second guessing an audience, the work suffered, but when I was really selfish about it, like that was his best work. And I think that's the same with anything. Like when I'm genuinely curious about what's happening in front of me and the, whether it's the podcast or what I'm writing, that's always best. And so anyway, my content really shifted from being wellness focused to being about making your life as a whole 
better, you know, whether that's creatively, whether that's, you know, through body image and recovery and like kind of washing some of these myths around wellness at a time where it was just amping up and your work, which is so important, you know, around body image. And, and so then I was interviewing people who really were instrumental in helping me in, in that world. And that's funny that you said you went back because I make it a point to have these people on like again, every single year, Christy Harrison, who has an incredible podcast called Food Psych, who I'm sure you know, and Isabel Fox and Duke. And they're both very, very close friends of mine now. And every year they come on at least once or or twice. And there's another person named Savala Nolan, who I met through them, who the same, like just talking to her always is soothing. And it's like a tune up. Like those topics are so relevant to me because eating disorder recovery and my relationship to my body and eating is complex and it still is. And it's something that I feel like I need to tune myself up in again and again and again. But it evolved beyond that. And I ended up like writing a self-help book and I ended up, you know, moving and, and my interests changed. And and now, you know, I was saying to you, it's it's going to be 10 years of the show in March. And, and with that, you know, I write a newsletter. I do consulting with individuals and, and brands around, you know, I, I taught a course on how to podcast, which I still have available. And I help people start podcasts and I've helped a lot of people start podcasts. But now even that sort of evolved because the way I do it isn't the way that everybody does it. And I was getting so many questions of like, kind of similar to that email you were saying of like, how do you do what you do? And I ended up making the course as a result of that. And I lead a group called In Process that's, you know, kind of similar, but it's like, I've just been sort of following whatever I've been interested in, but to grow it and to scale, you know, I do think there's like, I have to evolve and like maybe what I was doing and worked really, really well, not when I started, but maybe in like two years ago or three years ago, like just doesn't work now, which is a whole different skill set than like interviewing, you know? So it's like, there's just a lot of different hats that you have to wear when you're doing something like what we're doing. And I'm not good at wearing all of them or very many of them, honestly. <laughs> well, it's honestly what keeps me up at night, which is why I'm so glad that we're connected because I think about this all the time. And I think that's the grappling that a lot of creative people and artists like. I say artists like because I don't necessarily call myself an artist, perhaps an artist of life, but my day-to-day -day work isn't being an artist. Like I just spent seven hours editing a video don't really feel like an artist. It's just kind of tedious for me and not necessarily something that brings me joy and inspiration. And same with my like content online. Like I don't necessarily think of it as like, I am a content creator. I think that's where I, I just get really, really stuck grappling between there's this one skill set that I have and this thing that I have. I don't even know what it is. I don't know how to describe it, but it, there's something and like you mentioned, constantly having to like evolve and keep up and be on these different platforms. And truthfully, like you say, you're bad at it, but I see it as your gift outside looking in. And I'm like, damn, she's consistent. Like she doesn't care if TikTok's a hot new thing. She's consistent with like the types of images that you post that are so artistic or like the way you tell the story to like promote a podcast and shine light on this guest that I wouldn't have otherwise found. I don't know if you read her newsletters, but have you heard of Maria Popova from Brain Pickings? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my goodness. When I read your writing, it reminds me of like, you're almost like a more readable version of her. Oh my God, that's such an honor. 
Because to read like her stuff, I have to like sit down and put my philosophy hat on. But reading your captions, like I feel like it's like philosophical and artistic, but also like casual. So anywho, all that to say, like that's really what does keep me up at night as a wearing many hats gal myself. Gosh, well, thank you. I mean, that's such a nice person to compare me to. And that's like incredibly nice. And like I said, I'm I'm really in the evolving of this. And I tried a lot of things that have worked that haven't worked. I was thinking about this today. You know, I, I've made some things that to decide like what is working, you know, like, oh, it wasn't financially lucrative, but like I did it exactly how I thought it was going to be. Like, I'm not great at marketing. Like, I care more about how things look and how things are perceived than getting more eyes on something. And that's not a great business choice. And and honestly, like one that I'm going to need to like think through if I want to keep doing this, you know, because I can't if I don't figure out how to fund it in a, in a way that that works or I can figure out how to fund it in another way, you know. So it's just constantly evolving and knowing like knowing your strengths and weaknesses too of like, there have been periods in my life where I have been a better marketer, where I was able to sit in front of the camera and be like, buy my thing. I really think you should buy my thing. <laughs> and lately or like since honestly, since like the the pandemic, I just, I haven't been able to do that. You know, I can barely like say I have an offering or like ask someone to leave a review or like to sign up for my new, like anything is yeah. just like, and I don't think that that's, I'm not proud of that. I just think I'm trying to be like, all right, well, if that's not working, what can I do over here? And maybe I need to evolve. And there's a lot going on in my brain at present trying to sort that out myself, but also like what is an integrity and what is authentic to me? It's a constant evolving of of sorting, sorting that out. About three years ago, I started putting together a playlist with uplifting, inspiring, and empowering songs. I originally did this for myself because I love music of all different genres, and every time I would notice a song that just made me feel good, I would add it to my self-love playlist. And now there are over 300 songs on my Spotify self-love playlist, and these tracks are perfect for when you're getting ready, trying to hype yourself up, or going through a struggle and need a reminder for how badass you are. If you love music as much as I do, then go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist to get the Spotify link. It will ask you for your email so that I can send you this self-love playlist. And full transparency, this will also put you on my email list where I send out a monthly newsletter about stuff I'm thinking about, personal things, things I don't really share on social media, and all the happenings in the Mary's Cup of Tea world. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash playlist and let's start jamming to my self-love playlist together. So when somebody asks you, what do you do? What do you say? Because we had new neighbors move in right next door and she's this really successful doctor and they have two kids and it's kind of like the perfect little thing. And they're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, I, okay. <laughs> I heard this on your podcast and it's the first thing I wrote. I was preparing for this this morning on my hike <laughs> and I'm dying to talk to you about this on my show, but let's do it right. Tell, tell, oh my tell God. everyone, this is wild. I cannot believe this happened. <laughs> <laughs> 
I dead ass looked her in the eyes and I said, I don't work. I don't know why I said that. I don't know why. And Stan looked over at me and he's like, and I'm like, well, what I really wanted to say is my work really relies on there being peace and quiet and your screaming toddler and the heat that you have on when it's 70 degrees in Arizona is picking up on my microphone. So can you please turn that off? But <laughs> I had so many things that I feel like I could have resorted to, but for some reason I became in that moment, ashamed of all of them and resorted to like, I would rather them see me as like a bum than try to explain what I do. Yeah. Oh, I just want to like give you a hug and like laugh so hard at that. Because you do so much, you work so hard and your work is so important and you just read a book. I mean, also I, I so deeply relate. I just think the funniest bit of that is that you said you don't work just because I don't know. This is just a funny way to say that. And I know it's just so funny. I and mean, I guess it makes it makes sense maybe in the context. It's the first time I've ever <laughs> said anything like that. Like usually I'll scramble up something, but this is the first time that I felt very, very stunned. I wonder if I was just like intimidated by her position and everything. But yeah, I just... You froze. Like, I, I still can't believe I said that. Yeah, I froze. I froze. Well, I've had similar things. So I'll tell you what I say now. It, it depends. It depends on who I'm with and where, and I'll tell you. But I had a similar experience years ago. I was dating someone, and I worked a full-time job. That full-time job I mentioned earlier, I worked that for six years, and I did everything I'm doing now on the side of that. And then in 2018, I left that job to do this stuff on the side and it's been okay, but like, honestly, who knows? I might have to get a full-time job if I don't like figure out TikTok or something pretty soon. So anyway, at the time I was working this full-time job that was always sort of a means to an end from the day I got it. You know, I was wanting to do those other things, but it just was to fund my life. And I was with him and a bunch of his like cool friends that I didn't know. I think we had maybe only been dating for a little bit at this point. And so someone was like, what do you do? So what I did for the full-time job, I worked for Kind, like the bars and granola, and, and I led their college marketing program. So I worked in marketing, essentially. Yeah. And again, like, so grateful, like, don't bite the hand that fed me for six years. <laughs> like, it was wonderful. I mean, it was, it was ups and downs, but it was a good job. And that was not my passion. Like, I wasn't even that like stoked about it. It was just, again, means to an end. But whenever I did all this stuff on the side that I really wanted to be doing, I wouldn't know how to talk about it. So I would just be like, I work in marketing and like, it's, you know, for this company. It's, you know, like I said something like that. And I remember him kind of looking at me and being like, and, and, cause I think it was the week my book had just like come out and I was like doing a book tour and I was like having kind of some success in this stuff that like I since have not seen, but like, you know, I was doing a podcast every week that had a lot of sponsors and listeners. And I had this book come out and I was doing a lot outside of that job, but that was just the thing that I said. And so anyway, it was just sort of a, a sweet moment that was similar where, you know, now, gosh, it's tough because being in LA and moving here, I'm around a lot of really cool people who all seem to be artists and do a bunch of different projects and just are like very good at ceramics and then also a filmmaker and a photographer and also play music. And I'm just around so many talented artists and people. And so I do have a bit of, you know, I'll say just to keep it simple, like I'll say I'm a writer usually just if someone's like, oh, what do you do? Like, 
recently I've just been saying like, I don't know, I do, I do a bunch of things. Cause I, I didn't want to say I, I do a podcast because it kind of seemed to me like saying, you know, if someone was like, I'm a blogger, like a bunch of years ago, like, well, everyone has a podcast. Like, is that really your job? And it's like, well, that's the thing that's making me money right now. Pretty much exclusively since I do do several things like, and you do too, like it is hard to manage that. And I had a similarly embarrassing moment. This one is rich and very similar to what happened with your neighbors. This was maybe like a year ago, but I was at the coffee shop that I always go to. And a friend of mine was with a friend of his, and he was like introducing a good friend of mine, introducing me to his friend. And I was like, oh yeah, hi, nice to to meet you. And he kind of gives like a little intro of me for me. Thank God. And he's like, oh, you know, Katie, she does a, um, she's a, has a podcast. She's a writer. She wrote this book, whatever. I'm like, oh yeah, nice to meet you. And then this person's like, oh, you're a writer. Like, that's amazing. Like, I'm also a writer. And Mary, I was like, uh, well, you know, and have you seen the movie Francis Ha? No. Okay. Well, this person hadn't either, but there's this scene in the film Francis Ha where Greta Gerwig's character is asked what she does. She's a dancer and that's what she does in the in the movie. She's a modern dancer, but the person asks her at the dinner party, he's like, what do you do? And then she's like, it's hard to explain. That's what Greta Gerwig says. And then the, the other person at the dinner party is like, why? Because what you do is difficult to understand. And she's like, no, because I don't really do it. She like wasn't getting any work as a dancer. And I feel that way similarly too, where some, it's not like I write every day and I, my book came out a while ago and I, you know, and so then I, I said that to her, I was like, well, have you seen the movie Francis Ha? And I went into this whole thing. It's like, just keep it simple. Like just say something simple. That's like your self-worth is going to be intact at the end of it. And then ask someone else questions. But I totally understand how you feel because obviously I've done that so many times in different ways, but usually now I just say some sort of like, oh, I'm a writer and I have a podcast. I do a bunch of things. And then, and then they can, the person you're talking to can like, if they want to know more about it, they'll ask about one of those things or you'll move on. But then it's like, at least you don't have to go into it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And again, like you said, it depends on the social situation. And if they want to know more, they can ask. That's not to say we should downplay ourselves always, but I think there's also like a sense of confidence to like find that one thing that you resort to. If they want to know more, they will ask and you're happy to explain. And I'm, I'm always happy to explain because, you know, if I was in the neighbor's position, the follow-up question I would have likely posed is, oh, so how do you pass your days? Yeah. (laughs) You know, and that could have led so many different interesting directions. But instead, I was met with a very judgmental, oh, and I felt it. And I'm actually kind of glad that I said what I said, because certain people like don't deserve your full explanation either. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the opposite is true, too. Like, do you get into human design at all? I fuck with human design big time. (laughs) Well, are you a projector? Yes. How'd you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I am too. And I have never... Wait for the invitation. Well, it's it's like beyond that sort of like, because for people listening, human design, have you, have you had an episode about it? I have an episode about it with Erin Claire Jones. Okay, great. Erin's the best. Yeah. She's yeah. done my show two or three times. She's incredible. I've had like 
four or five human design readers on Let It Out over the years. It's like nothing's made me feel more articulate. Erin and I actually, we did two live episodes in New York together before I left. Oh, that is so cool. She's a gem, an absolute gem. But for those who don't know what human design is, give us a little synopsis. Oh gosh, I think I can do it. It's it's a it's a system sort of like astrology because it uses your birth time and place of birth and it was kind of recent. It's the one that makes me feel more articulated than anything else of like Enneagram or Myers-Briggs or it's just information about yourself, you know, to kind of read up on these and I've been so lucky that I've gotten some readings over the years through my podcast and and talking about this, but I really relate to being a projector. And one of the things with being a projector that everyone knows, and Mary mentioned it, is wait for the invitation. Like you need to be recognized and invited into a conversation to be able to like be heard essentially. And I think, you know, kind of like with any, anything, like whether we're talking about love languages or whatever, it's like some of this is all universally true. But I do think I have found in my life and and now knowing that you're a projector makes so much sense. Like, I think those conversations are particularly interesting for us where this is what I was going to say, the opposite be true, where friendship takes time and it can't be forced. Right. So when you meet someone for the first time, one of the things about projectors, and I'm sure Aaron still do this, like we can see into and recognize people very quickly easily. Like we can read people quite easily. And it's because we don't create our own energy. Other types create their own energy, but we play off the energy of other people. So because of that, we can read people really easily and recognize them. And so we want that just as much because it's so easy for us. We crave it and want it from other people, but other people, it's not as easy for it. It takes time for them to like understand us and read us and like get that. Mm -hmm. So we kind of I'll speak for myself, but because this part is just true for me. Like, I feel like it's so easy to kind of get a read on someone if I just get a little bit of information and then I'll ask questions and like, I'm so there and like care and I'm really just present with them. And when that isn't the same with me, when someone's not doing that with me, it can be, it can kind of shake my self-worth a little bit. But at the same time, when I just do very little and I give just a very little, that makes an air of like, if someone wants in, like if someone likes me and like wants to invite me in to their, be in their life, so to speak, then that will be mysterious in a way that they'll be like, wait, so you do a podcast? Like, tell me more about that. I had that happen enough last year with just real life people here, friends that I really have put on a pedestal and like thought are the like, coolest people in the world who were like, Hey, you know, I listened to your podcast. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't even know how they found it. I had like, I didn't say that I had a pod, like, and that to me is like, feels really good. And that wasn't me being like, Hey, I have this thing. Like, I'd love for you to like, see me, see me, see me. And mm-hmm. that's why maybe marketing as a projector, like it's hard to do that just holistically. Like you do have to give a little bit of like, put your sign on that you're open or no one's going to come in. But at the same time to like really push is like also off-putting. So it's like finding that balance. Yeah. Yeah. I land with everything projector related and similar to you. It resonates with me, maybe not more than astrology, but just as much. Like you said, it's information. So I feel like if if somebody knows all the things and I came up and I said, I'm an Aquarius and a projector, like it all makes sense. And ENFJ for my Myers-Briggs, 
for the Enneagram, I'm like a two wing three. And so if I like throw all these code words out there and you're familiar with them, I just feel very seen in different ways through all of them. And sometimes I'm like, what part of myself am I trying to search for? But I think what I like the most about stuff like that is like you said, it's information about yourself. And for me personally, it's also finding words to describe yourself and how you work better. Because unless you have the words to describe it, you're not going to know what it necessarily is. But you know, when somebody says something that resonates, you're like, wait, I'm like that too. And then it kind of just sticks with you. So when Aaron said, you're a projector and your kind of mantra is wait for the invitation, I'm like, wow. So that's why everything feels icky when I force it, you know? (laughs) And it was kind of like a positive twist to my strengths. So yeah, I, I really resonate with being like, what do you do and getting stumped? Well, all those things are just shared language. You know, that's all it is. It gives us shared language. Like my my friend Zoe got very, very into the Enneagram during the pandemic, the peak of the pandemic in 2020, where she was like buying all these like courses and blah, 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 or like readings. And I said to her, I was like, look, you know, this is a really a, a way for us to say to each other, like, we all want to be seen and understood for who we really are, right? Like that's intimacy, but we're most afraid of being seen and understood for who we really are and not liked. So we like put on these masks or we like just keep a distance because it's so scary to be, I would rather not be seen correctly because if I'm not liked for this like version of myself, it doesn't hurt as bad if I'm not liked for like who I really truly am, you know? So I think Enneagram and all of that is a way to give people shared language to be like, see me, see me. I'm a seven. Like, this is how I am, you know, or I'm a projector, I'm a Aquarius or I'm a Taurus or whatever it is. Astrology is becoming, at least in LA, like such a, everyone seems to like have some sort of understanding of it, at least with their sun sign and maybe the moon and rising even. And so it's just a way for someone to say, I really like my environment, you know, and that we just want to talk about ourselves and connect with each other. And that's really what this stuff comes down to. And, and, my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So what really fuels your creativity amongst all the creative projects, whether it's the podcast for 10 years or all the other art that you do? You do a lot of art. I feel like the person that in LA that you described that you're like, I do pottery and I'm a filmmaker and I have a podcast and I feel like that's you. (laughs) Thank you. But I took ceramic classes, but I'm terrible. (laughs) I saw that. But like most people don't even ever take a ceramics class. You know, that's the thing. Like I would never call myself a dancer, but I was journaling this morning. And one of the things I wrote down, I use my own journal to journal in, (laughs) not because I'm... (laughs) vain, but because I'm doing a journaling challenge on Instagram. So one of the topics was like purpose and finding your purpose. And it's ironic that I've been really struggling with it. And as I was journaling about it, one of the second or third things I wrote down was like, I'm a dancer and it's only because I take classes like maybe a couple of times a month, maybe, but I still feel like that's what lights me up. So I'm just going to like call myself that. It doesn't mean like I dance professionally or I get paid for it because that's not necessarily your purpose. So anywho, all that to say, most people don't go to a ceramics class. (laughs) It takes a certain kind of artistic person to even show up there. So anywho, what really unlocks your creativity when you're on a coaching call, coaching writers, or what is the program you mentioned in process? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, another projector thing is I'm, I'm pretty good at seeing patterns. So I'm garbage at doing it for myself, but I'm very good for other people. So there are people who have much more, you know, social media or financial or success than I do that have come to me that I work with and that I consult with photographers and writers and doulas. And I mean, it's a really eclectic group of individuals. And it's my favorite thing to do is to work with them one-on-one because I'm able to say holistically, like, all right, I think what's holding you back over here is feeling like, you know, I have so many ideas, but I don't have very much time. And so, okay, let's like break that down. And then I become, you know, this is an executive functioning issue, or this is like an energy management issue because I don't believe in time management, you know, like time is infinite. Like it can't be created and destroyed, but energy can be. So like there are things that give us energy. There are things that take it away. And that is the piece that I think we can try to manage. And it's challenging too, because you don't know if like that interaction with that person sometimes makes me feel really great. And I can, you know, run on the momentum of that. Sometimes it's draining. I don't know what I'm going to get. You know, we can't control that, but I think it's just staying for myself and for other people. It's like staying in this open sort of energy where you're able to relax enough to be able to get ideas and inspiration and hits of some sort of growth that you want to share and project in some way, whether it's through your full-time job or working or, you know, your pottery or whatever it is that you're making and having the energy to do that. So then that becomes like a twofold energy and nervous system management, right? It's about managing your nervous system. And that's the thing that is very challenging, you know, really in like the world that we live in, because we also have to make money and survive within capitalism and survive within like also having relationships. And so all these things, everything is everything. A friend of mine who's a therapist, but not mine says that, right? Everything is everything. And it's true, you know, so how you're showing up in one area of life is going to impact another area of life. And that's not to say that like everything will be balanced. It won't be. That's actually the case, you know, and if your work is really great, maybe your relationship isn't getting everything or maybe it's vice versa or maybe, you know, I think there's a way to just clock, like, where do I need to add some attention? Where do I need to pull some away? Is it alone time that I need to focus? Do I need to be around other people right now? Like it's a lot of self-awareness, which is why, you know, speaking of journaling, like the book I wrote is about journaling and it came out years ago. I started writing that book when I was 24 I'm so happy I picked a topic that's free that anyone can do that I still believe in that I think is really useful, you know, for, for my mind and my temperament that I don't know what I'm thinking unless I'm writing and it slows me down. And so I think, you know, Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way Morning Pages was like a practice that really helped me. And, and my book is more directives around that. And I know yours is, you have a book similar to that. And I think that's so useful, right? Because it gets you to these like, corners of your mind and these pockets of your mind, as you know, that are maybe dusty and you don't want to go to, but that's sort of what I do live with people when I'm consulting with them is like, all right, well, here's an idea for you. Or have you thought about it this way? Or maybe, okay, so much time and energy is going to your morning routine, but you're feeling like you're disappointing yourself at the end of every day because you're not getting any of your work done. Why don't we flip it? 
let's get all the work done, then do the exercise and thing at the end. Let's just see just for a day, you know, like that kind of thing of like, that's your homework. So a lot of this is like, you can self-coach with yourself or you can self-consult with yourself where you're writing out like really honestly, like, what if I did this another way? Or is there another way to see this? Or what would this feel like if it were easy? What did I enjoy? Like, what was fun about this? And not that you can recreate that experience, but you can try to parse out like, all right, I want to do more of that in some way. And it might not even be possible, but I think that that's kind of what I try to do for myself every day. And it's different every day. You know, it's like, do I need more structure? Do I need more discipline? I need a lot of time by myself. I need a lot of time walking, but I also need like equal amount of time with other people because I start to go a little bit wild if I spend too much time by myself, unstructured. Like it's really like finding this delicate balance. And then when I really mess it up, which happens a lot, just being like, all right, you didn't do it today. Let's not beat yourself up and let's try to do better tomorrow. And you know, it's a lot, it's a lot of that. (laughs) Yeah. Do you still do your morning pages? I do. Every day. Yeah. And it's not the same, like three pages front, back, front that Cameron advises technically in that. And it's not always first thing in the morning, but I'll say this. I feel better when it is. I prefer it. Every time I've had a practice of that, I feel better but I've gotten pretty loose about it. I, what I usually do now is I I go on like a really long walk in the morning and I try to get out first thing because that tends to be most useful. I'll journal when I get back or I'll just sort of write and it turns into, you know, it might start with like everything is terrible, but then it <laughs> so you self-soothe a little bit down the page. Yeah. And then it turns into sort of a to-do list or a like, how can I try to be solution oriented around why everything is so terrible, something like that. Or I'll wake up and like have a oddly feel good and try to ride that as much as I can. (laughs) You literally sound like my mind. (laughs) It's so fascinating listening to you because I'm like, she is me. I am her. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like we have a lot of, I'm sorry, like a lot of parallels. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sorry too, but it's also like where our <laughs> gifts lie. So what I'm hearing you say about creativity, kind of at the beginning of when I asked you this question, you talked about, I don't know why my brain hung on to the word relax. Like you almost have to like mm-hmm. relax enough for things to come to you. And there's this aspect of energy preservation and I took all these notes. I'm like, relax enough and then preserve your energy, manage your nervous system so that the creative ideas come to you or like how would you how would you describe your personal creative flow well i think what i was the thought i probably just didn't finish there was so that you can make things like so that you can show up for the meeting so you can be present with the person in front of you so you can be useful so you can be of service so you can be interesting, you know, so you can all of it, right? I think the reason why managing your nervous system and being relaxed is useful is because it's going to allow you to be most yourself, right? Like it's going to allow you to not be 
what I tend to do when I'm not relaxed, right, is being this sort of like kinetic, like, hi, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I just need, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm, could I even be here? Like, have you seen Princess Hot? You know, like, that's like, I'm not relaxed in that state. Like, that's me being like, nervous system is on fire. And I'm just like, am I okay to be? Like, that's not cool. Like, no, nothing good is going to come out of that writing wise. I can tell you that much. And even like friend making wise, like no one wants to be around that. So the reason that this really comes up too is, and it's not to say that good art can't come out of pain or that can't obviously, you know, but I think the actual like production of it comes out of someone like who has the wherewithal to make it in that moment. So this all came from a conversation with Isabel Fox and Duke actually years ago where I was talking to her about someone who I had just put on a pedestal as like, I kept saying cool. Well, you know, like they're so cool and effortless. Like that's what I kept saying about this person that I had a crush on. And I just talked about it a ton. And she said to me something that stuck with me. And she was like, listen, what you're observing in him. And then it was like, a bunch of people after that, that kind of had that quality to me, that like mysterious, elusive quality where I'm just like, I'm warm. I'm not cool. Like I'm warm. I am an open book. I'm this, like, I'm never going to be this like mystique of a Olsen twin that I always wanted to be when I was like, you know, younger and (laughs) yesterday, you know, and, (laughs) and she was like, listen, what you're observing in these people is that they have a relaxed nervous system that like in that moment that you're seeing them their nervous system is relaxed like they don't give a fuck you know they're just like kind of around they're able to like be in their body they're able to listen to you and like be really present with you in that moment like they may never text you back but like they're there and that is so attractive and creative and they're able to show up for themselves and they they're not overthinking things or second guessing and they're not in their heads about the interaction. You know, they're managing their nervous system and they have a relaxed nervous system. And I just so admired that because it's not my, and I think again, too, this might be like, there's like a grief to this for me too. I think there is like a eating disorder thing with this truly. Like, I think there's something about someone who, you know, we're, we tend to be in that time, right? Like, you get very good at ignoring your body. You get very good at disassociating. And so that sort of is my default. So that's why the relaxed nervous system, because all that that really is, and Isabel is so good at this, and because her work is around that too, I just don't think those two things are unrelated. And, and I think what Isabel is saying is like, what's happening in your body? Like, are you anxious? Are you obsessing about something because you're disassociating about something else? Like self-awareness, like that's kind of where that all comes down from. That is really profound. Yeah. The disassociation and anxiety that comes from struggling with food for so long is the polar opposite of that regulated nervous system that comes with being (laughs) cool. I'm telling you, you're my brain. I'm laughing so hard because you are my brain because you're not on TikTok. I'm going to tell you about a TikTok that I saw that was like, I want to be cool and mysterious, but I just can't shut the fuck up. (laughs) You got to send that to me. That is me. That's, I know. But you know, then this is like the whole other thing too. It's like, part of that is true with what I said, like of, I do admire 
you know, we'll just say for the, this conversation, like that person that I was talking about and the, the coolness of that, of the intrigue and the, there, there's something, of course, like I am jealous a bit of the ability to not give a fuck, you know, like, I think that's really admirable in some ways, but in other ways, I think like, you know what? I remember people's names really well, you know, and I, yes, I might spiral and I might like overthink an interaction, but I try to be really genuine and and present with people. And I try to, I think there's an acceptance of my warmth that I'm trying for that has come up in the last couple of years too, where there's this incredible art book by Sophie Colley, the artist. And my friend gave it to me for my birthday a couple of years ago. And it's an incredible concept. She got broken up with an email and she sent that email to 100, I think, women for them to interpret it in some sort of art, right? So somebody made a a lawyer, like went through it and like talked about it in that context, like a editor, like edited everything in red and someone made a dance, like every sort of medium. And one of the ones was from a teenager. And it was just like a text that said, he thinks that he is cool. (laughs) And that's my favorite one because it, it reminds me of like this whole thing of like warm versus cool. It's like, I just have to accept that like, that is what I'm gonna be. And like projector too, it's like, I might not be the one like making the music or making the art, but I'm quite good at bringing people together. The best use of me is me like genuinely going down a wormhole with something and getting so into it and then sharing that with people who want to hear it, you know, and that that, the second part is like key, you know, on like bringing together groups of people who want to hear it and us sharing and listening to each other and making other people feel seen and recognized. And that's a quality that I think requires a little bit of that overthinking and a little bit of that. Like, so to throw it all out, it's like, it's like having a light with the dark. The cool with the warm. Yes. Yeah. And embracing the shadow. And and I was going to say that I think there's beauty to being warm because I personally get home from social events and I talk about the person who was warm. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, they were so warm and easy to talk to. And I saw so much of myself in them. Like, that's kind of who I gravitate toward, but I definitely see the attraction to cool individuals as well. I really love how you said, did you say my friend's therapist says this? Yeah. Okay, because I also have a line that my friend's therapist says because <laughs> she she brings it up so much. It's about how every time I'm like, how are you this way? Like, I really love that you do this. And she'll be like, oh, it's the positive byproduct of anxiety. I love that. <laughs> and I really like how she said that because I think that something like anxiety, for example, I'm not saying you have anxiety, but something like anxiety, for example, it was developed as like a survival mechanism and it did serve a certain purpose. like from a survival aspect, like it actually is a pretty useful skill to be like hyper attuned to your surroundings and to think of all possible future scenarios and all of that. So I think that, like you said, that shadow can also be channeled toward the light too. Well, it's funny you said anxiety. So I co-host a second podcast. I started it a couple of years ago called Spiraling about anxiety. So in Serena, my co-host on that, she says that all the time. Like, I think we maybe did a whole episode on like what is good about having anxiety and like how it actually changed both of our lives, like for the better. And 
I think we need that because there's a lot of challenges to it as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think people need to see like the light kind of in the things that they beat themselves up about. Well, Katie, thank you so much for this well-rounded and insightful conversation about all the things. It felt like we were just sitting in a room together, drinking tea and chit-chatting, and I could keep doing it all afternoon. I know. Me too. I'm so happy that we get to keep talking and you're going to do my show. Woohoo! Let's do it. So part two. <laughs> part two to come. One last thing before we farewell, my self-lovers. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. You can do this by searching for the show, Mary's Cup of Tea. Scroll all the way down on Apple Podcasts and you'll see stars where you can click one of the stars and leave a few kind words. It just means so much to me because I'm so behind the scenes when I'm podcasting, so I don't really get to see the impact of the show unless you leave a review. And on Spotify, there's just a button that says rate the show and it'll let you put however many stars you want. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Thank you so much for supporting the show and helping me spread the gift of self-love. I love you all so much and I will talk to you in next week's episode.